James tosses in for Reeves. Booker playing with those five fouls. So is Durant. Oh, the ball squirts loose. What are they calling here? A timeout. The Lakers oh. get a timeout with 7.4 on the clock. But I am. The ball was a loose ball. How could it have been a timeout when no one had possession? Welcome to Pass the Outlet, episode 15. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin. Joined, as always, with my wingman, Chris Patrick. Chris, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, not doing as good as I would be had the Suns won that game. Wow, what a way to close it out and end our run to an in-season tournament championship maybe next year. Tough one last night. You guys know we're going to get into it, but for anybody joining us live, and on playback, we love you guys. Make sure you're following us at AZ underscore VSP. We got a whole bunch of stuff coming to you guys for the rest of this year. And remember, we got that big ticket giveaway coming next year as well. So we appreciate y'all a lot. This one's going to be focused right around the first ever NBA in-season tournament, right? We had our quarterfinals kickoff this Monday. And we had some good games. We also had a stinker in between. So let's go ahead and take a look right away. Uh, starting on Monday, the fourth, we had at the Pacers playing the, the Celtics. And man, Tyrese Halliburton is uh, just an up and coming star to start off. The Pacers won 122 to 112 behind Halliburton's first career triple double. He had 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 13 assists. All starters for the Pacers were in double figures. I mean, Tatum and Brown did their thing. They had 32 and 30, respectively, but kind of struggled from deep. Two for eight for Tatum and two for seven for Brown. Uh, Celtics overall as a team struggled from the outside, only shooting 29.3% from deep. But this one was back and forth. I mean, there were seven fourth-quarter ties until that big 9-0 Pacers run late. And then the late game on Monday was the Pelicans versus the Kings. And Pelicans squeaked this one out. 127 to 117 behind 30 from Brandon Ingram. Herb Jones dropped in 23 of his own. De'Aaron Fox, who's been having a really solid season, had 30 points, but only shot 10 of 25 from the field. And the Pelicans outscored the Kings by nine in the second quarter to snag the lead. And that was really it. I mean, it was back and forth for the rest of that game. Then we got to roll into Tuesday. First game on the docket was the Milwaukee Bucks versus the New York Knicks. And the Bucks put a whooping on them, 146 to 122 behind Giannis, who had 35 points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists. Dame dropped in 28 points as well, 7 assists, 5 of 7 from deep. Love to see it. And then Malik Beasley had 18 of his own. But the Knicks, it was really only a three-headed monster. Nobody really helped out Julius Randle, who had 41. Brunson and Barrett both had 24 and 23, respectively, but that was it. And then I know, Chris, we got to talk about the infamous one dribble from three-quarters court Giannis play. Oh, but yeah. Before we get to that, I want to pass it over to you, man. How are you feeling so far with the NBA in-season tournament, and what did you see from these quarterfinals? You know, Mike, we've talked about this in-season tournament a couple times now on our various streams and podcasts, and 
People might see my opinion fluctuate a little bit. At first, I was super against it. I said this was stupid. It's trying to grab attention, trying to create intrigue when they're – it's just regular games, guys. Like It's going to count towards the regular season record except for the championship game, and it's going to be some extra nice little hardware for teams to put up in their stadium. And that's another thing. Are teams going to start putting up banners for the in-season tournament championship. I mean, it's the first year, so it's a lot of uncharted territory, right? A lot of questions. Um, to answer your question, man, I'm feeling, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. It's got my attention a little bit. And I think like some of the players are even saying the same thing. I mean, not to get ahead of myself here, but just after last night's game, Kevin Durant was kind of on my, like taking my side a little bit of like, at first he thought it was stupid. And or maybe not taking my side, but having the same opinion as me where it's like, at first, he thought it was stupid, and then he kind of warmed up to it. Like he was saying before the game yesterday, it kind of felt like it was a playoff game. Like he was was a little bit more invested in the game, and it's only December. It's the beginning of December. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm right there with Kevin Durant. I'm interested because it's getting good competitive basketball in a time of the season when you really don't see that too much. I was hearing people today talking about how this might be the NBA trying to combat load management a little bit, which we tend to see a lot of this time of the season especially going into, you know, January and February, which I'm sure we'll see then. But like LeBron was questionable for last night, but did he play because of the in-season tournament or would he have played regardless? I just don't know, but it's definitely, definitely captured my attention, Mike. And I think I'm on the side of uh, being more in favor of it now. I want to see how it does, how they tweak it in the coming years, but uh, also and how the, this, the tournament finishes this year, that'll be interesting to see all around. He's intrigued, folks. I think the NBA did its job, right? For anybody who's been on the fence, that's what it's really been about. And the competitive nature of these games, even for the teams who didn't make it to the knockout round, it's done its job. So very excited to see what happens. And as we move into the semifinals, and unfortunately, the Phoenix Suns didn't make it. Once again, we're going to get into that very shortly. But Chris, I got to pull this one up, man. I am surprised you didn't touch on this one right away. But Giannis, with the travel, with the fast going on here, what what happened, man? It's just we see this in the NBA today, and it's not just Giannis, even though he does the most egregious violations. This is simple things like, carrying double i guess double dribble can be pretty blatant but carrying and traveling is like it's just completely and blatantly ignored and i get Giannis is a big lengthy guy who can cover a lot of court with a few amount of dribbles but the big headline here obviously says Giannis just took just one dribble on this fast break slam with the shocked face emoji and it's like yeah because he traveled and if you look at the comments on that post you don't have to do it now but if anyone looks at it you can just see comment after comment of like travel travel carry <laughs> i bet he used his chase sapphire rewards for all that traveling he was doing but yeah just to just to look at it as we watch it play through one more time here is it's like so obvious mike and i'm not jump, trying to jump forward to the the outlet point guard but like right here one big dribble carry and then, okay, so he did take three steps there, but I guess you could argue that first one was a travel on his approach to the rim, but it's leading up to the carry where he travels because he does one, I guess you could say he didn't have control of the ball yet because he slams it 
to bounce it up to his left hand, right? He slams it with his right hand, bounces up to his left, big old carry, and then he takes his step. So maybe it's just a carry. Maybe it's just one carry. Maybe it's not a travel. And a carry. No, what do you think? it's a travel. It's okay. a travel. He traveled into the carry, and then he travels once again as he uses three gather steps to get to the freaking basket, man. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he cups and carries it to get into that big dribble at half court. Yeah. And then three-step three step gather. Like, it, it's funny, man. I've been seeing a lot of different videos all over the place uh, where it's like, man, people wonder why some fans just really aren't inspired by the game of the NBA specifically. It's because they continue to let these guys get away with these kind of things. And... They praise him for it. I mean, that is, I mean, what was that? Bleacher Report that you yeah. retweeted? I'm sure it was something that was retweeted by ESPN as well. It's like, oh my God, look at this incredible play. But I mean, semantic semantics. This is things that have been going on within the NBA for decades now. And it's not going to change. But it's just disappointing for true hoop heads who try to follow the game as best as they can, stick within the guidelines. And a big thing also is for coaches, man. Like, how are you supposed to teach kids yes, the that... proper way without them seeing this kind of stuff that's praised for? And we've seen it within the past couple of seasons. I mean, the biggest thing I think back to is the James Harden step back, which just after it happened so many times, everybody became so numb to it. And it just became part of the game that was acceptable. And it's still a it's a travel at the end of the day. I mean, am I wrong on that, Chris? I, I know it's a opening a can of worms, but <laughs> you feel what I'm saying, right? No, a hundred percent. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because it is a travel. And if you're not going to have some level of fundamental play in the NBA, what, what is the point? It's not the same basketball product as you see from high school to college and for better or worse, kids watch the NBA product more than they're watching college basketball. I mean, Mike, you and I grew up playing youth basketball. You played high school basketball. It's like this type of shit would get you pulled and benched. And they, they would call that and at the high school level. That's a carry all day. Like that whistle's going off probably even before he gets to half court to pull off the carry. Cause they're going to say, no, 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 no. You did those steps. And I don't know. I, I, I want to say like, I just I don't want to be one of these old heads where it's like back in my day, but I just feel like growing up, me watching the NBA product, they there wasn't as much of this carrying, traveling, extra flair that they put on it. And I get to some extent the NBA is in it for the entertainment. They're a hundred percent profit, which is why the college basketball game is you know, you can say a little bit more boring. It's a lot more fundamental. I mean, you put on one of those games and all you hear is shoes squeaking. It's 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 different. Um but I just think the NBA needs to, you know, look in the mirror and tighten that up a little bit because kids are the whole next generation of basketball is coming up looking at that and everything that's happening in the NBA. Like you said, the step back jumper where us coaching during that time with James Harden doing that, like we saw our kids that we were coaching trying to do that. And I talk about us playing basketball as youngsters when I was in high school was when Jimmer Fredette was getting really popular, man. This was before Steph Curry was taking those crazy three point shots. And we were pulling up from like two steps inside half court, trying to see who could make the most deep threes, trying to be like Jimmer. So uh, granted, he, you know, he was a college player doing that, but at this, what I'm trying to say is kids are going to emulate what they're seeing on TV and for Bleacher Report and other outlets like ESPN probably to be promoting this kind of shit basketball for lack of a better word is disappointing to at, at the least you know 
Chris, it's all right. We can have our old man on the porch moments every once in a while because we have to. I mean, we're not youngins anymore. We've been through different eras of basketball, and, and it's tough. It's it's funny how you talk about Jimmer. I mean, one of the more recent examples that I think about specifically to just deep range pulling up is LaMelo Ball when he was in high school. And, you know, he's pointing at the half court line yanks it up obviously he makes it but i don't know uh if i'm a coach i'm pulling immediately chris immediately i'm pulling on that but enough of that so we got our semifinals coming up on uh, this thursday let's see here let's take a look we're gonna have the lakers playing the pelicans uh, that's gonna be our late game on tnt and then the bucks versus the Pacers in the Eastern Conference. That first game on ESPN. Chris, who do you think out of this group is going to make it to the final championship? And both of these games are going to be in Las Vegas, right? Yes, yes. These All four of these teams are in Las Vegas where they'll play the semifinals. And then the winners will, of course, meet in the championship round. Man, I think if the NBA has their way, it seems like it's going to be Bucks Lakers with the Lakers taking this thing. <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, the what is it nihilist or the the pessimist in me? Uh, when it comes down to what teams are the best and most competitive, I think it's probably going to be Pelicans Bucks. I, I wanted to say when we were, we were looking at those previous games, the the Pacers beating the Celtics is huge, man. You're right, Tyrese Halliburton is for real. Like that kid is probably all-star caliber. And I, if I correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that's a guy, another one of those classic sons could have drafted him guys. Had we, oh, yep. had we picked a little different. Was that the Josh Jackson draft? No, that was Jalen Smith, right? That was, Oh yes. Yeah, Sticks. And during uh, the time frame yeah. where we were still successful. So I think they were trying to build out the roster and see if somebody could be a piece for down the road, but that was still kind of in a time frame where we didn't really have a point guard or at least we could have used them as a backup point guard. But yeah, Chris Paul wasn't even here yet. And yeah, even more to the case, if Chris Paul is here, excuse me, you have him on a rookie deal and he gets to learn from Chris Paul for a couple of years because you even knew when you signed Chris Paul that he wasn't the long term answer at point guard for this team. I mean, now we got point book. We didn't expect to get Brad Beal. I mean, there's a lot of things that we didn't expect to happen, but things probably could have happened different. Anyway, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole of had the Suns gotten Tyrese Halliburton. All I'm saying, that dude is a true baller. And I think the Pacers, I really like what they're doing. They kind of play with a chip on their shoulder. Like teams kind of underestimate them and not necessarily teams as much probably as the fans and like the media really underestimate and down or discount the the Pacers that they're not a good team, but those guys just play hard basketball. And I, I think it was Halliburton or maybe Miles um, Turner. One of them after the game just said, you know, this is the NBA. This is the highest level of basketball. Every team can compete and they're built to compete and have the best basketball players. So don't be too surprised when a team like the Celtics gets beat. I mean, and looking at their team, man, that, so that box score kind of says it all. J J Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are really their only two scorers on that team. Uh, Porzingis is out right now, and I was like, does does he really mean that much to that team where he gets them over that hump? But I don't know, just kind of weird. But I do think the Bucks, when Lillard and Giannis are firing on all cylinders, they're just they're unstoppable, man. It's crazy. You know. I really just would not be surprised if the Pacers pull this one out, man. They're playing with a chip on their shoulder right now. 
I think at the end of the day, they're probably a team that does squeak into the playoffs. But, I mean, they're taking this absolutely to heart. So that one's going to be a tough matchup for the Bucs. Uh, kind of the same in the West. I mean, I like how the Pelicans kind of match up size-wise for the Lakers. I mean, Brandon Ingram is kind of a mini Kevin Durant. He doesn't have a whole bunch of size on him, but he's playing at a superstar level right now, I would say. He's kind of leading the front as Zion Williams is tr Williamson is trying to buy in <laughs> to what's going on with the Pelicans. But they finally have C.J. McCollum back as well, so they got some good guard play up front. Herb Jones has been a nice addition and is continuing to excel within his opportunities. And, I mean, I think it's going to come down to can you contain Anthony Davis? Is Jonas Valanciunas going to be able to hold his own? Are you going to be able to kind of keep him off of the glass and keep his field goal percentage down? Which is kind of what we saw last night, but there were some extenuating circumstances as well. So, Chris, it's that time. We got to roll right into our final quarterfinal matchup which was our Phoenix Suns going up against the Los Angeles Lakers. And last night, the Lakers did win this game 106 to 103. I just got to throw out some stats just before I pass it over to you, Chris, to see kind of how this game broke down. And then we're going to roll right into the outlet point guard. But to start this one off, the Lakers outscored the Suns by 10 in the first half. They took a 12-point lead into the break. And then that third quarter was the big one for the Suns, outscoring the Lakers by 11, bringing them within one. And then, as we know, the fourth quarter was pretty much just back and forth until the end. And you think kind of what happened in regard to what really took the Lakers over the edge on this one. I mean, they only made four more free throws than the Suns, 21 of 25 comparative to 17 of 21 for the Suns. They out-rebounded the Suns 45-44 to 44 by only one. But a big narrative last night was the offensive glass. 21 offensive rebounds only to eight. And the Suns turned the ball over a shitload, Chris. <laughs> I can't sugarcoat it, man. 22 turnovers, including 10 turnovers in the first quarter alone. But the Lakers didn't shoot very well at all this game. I mean, only 37.3% overall and 30% from deep while the Suns shot 49.3% and 48% from deep. But a big thing was the Lakers just had more possessions all game long. 102 shot attempts comparative to 75. I mean, 27 more shots? That's all because of those offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities. And obviously, I mean, it was an uphill battle for the Suns. Basically, after the first quarter, their largest lead, was only three, which they took in the third, while the Lakers had their largest at 15. Chris, before we start breaking this down a little bit more and pulling up these clips, how are you feeling after last night's game, man? Honestly, Mike, I'm a little worried about the Suns, man. I think when they're on, they are on, right? And it, it completely revolves around Devin Booker. I want to say Kevin Booker and Kevin Durant, but it really seems like it's just Devin Booker right now. Of course, KD is putting up you know, around 30 points every game, it seems like getting getting stats in the rebounds and assists category as well. 
But when they're not necessarily at their top game, they, they kind of struggle. And I think that's, you know, even going back to the playoffs last year, that's what we saw as well is if those guys aren't doing all the work, the Suns aren't going to get the win. So that, that's concerning, number one. Another thing is just the lack of aggressiveness, I want to say, when it isn't the offense. And, and like the offensive boards, I guess, kind of play into that a little bit. But them not go, going to try and get those rebounds as hard or boxing out any better is is concerning. And I think that ties right into the defense and the lack of defense as well. I mean, that's been a criticism of ours since the beginning of this season and doing our recaps is that this team is just struggling to make the right rotations, struggling to close out as well as they need to. And honestly, it just seems like maybe a lack of communication. So those those types of things are like major red flags for me. And I know we can sit here and say, well, Brad Beal's not back. So this team is not 100% of what we're hoping to see. But there's no guarantee that we're going to have Brad Beal for the postseason. There's no guarantee we're going to have any of these guys for the postseason. So you hope that the that everyone can come together and figure it out in time. I don't want to beat that horse to death. And when we're just looking at this game, I think it's kind of wild that Anthony Davis shoots 10 of 26, LeBron 12 of 25, and they still squeak out the win. Uh, it's just, it, it's a head scratcher to me, Mike. And I know there's going to be a lot of attention put on that timeout that LeBron shouldn't have been allowed to take. Absolutely fucking ridiculous that the NBA came out in their last two minute report today and confirmed that that was okay. And while also calling out three other plays that could have been a foul against the Suns, you can go back and watch those two. I think it was Dwayne Rankin or Gerald Bourget on their Twitter. They posted a little thread about this and it's just, it's just a slap in the face. It's insult to injury. When the Suns already lose, they were wronged. Reactions for across the league, across media, celebrities, all saying the Suns got robbed. Even listening on the intro there, the TNT, the national broadcasters knew that it was wrong. And if anyone knows Arizona sports and national media, is they're never on our side, guys. Like, never. And even they said that LeBron should not have been able to take that time out. Is this LeBron privilege? Is this the ref just being totally clueless and not capable of you know taking like is what was he looking at i don't know a lot of questions there i just think at the end of the day it wasn't that timeout situation debacle that is the reason the suns lost this game we lost this game way before that play ever happened and honestly it should have never been this close uh, you're right i mean the suns shot themselves in the foot multiple ways I mean, you even talk about the other guy who was really the only contributor for the Lakers in Austin Reeves. He scores 20 points, has that big three at the end of the game. But he struggled from the field as well. I mean, he was only 7 of 16. But, yeah, it's right now it's what Kevin Durant and Devin Booker can do for you because these pieces are still trying to fit themselves together. And if one is off and can't really connect the right way, this team is going to falter down the stretch and lose these really, really close games right now. I mean, Kevin Durant finally kind of got back into shooting form. 12 of 17 last night, had 37, uh, 31 points, uh, seven rebounds, four assists, but five turnovers. That's been the struggle for this team right now. It's just sloppy control of the basketball, Chris. I mean, Devin Booker struggled a little bit last night as well. Only 6 of 16 from the field. Only took one three. I feel like he's been doing better, but this team also has been aggressive, ultra-aggressive, attacking the basket. That's why we've been seeing a couple of games where we're shooting over 35 free throws in those games, but he only had 21 points. Did have 11 rebounds and 6 assists, but 7 
turnovers. Your starting point guard is turning the ball over that many times. You're going to struggle throughout this one, man. I think a big narrative as well was Yusuf Nurkic getting into that foul trouble early, only 29 minutes and three points. It, I mean, it was just any kind of contest. Anytime these guys were getting body to body, even if hands were up, it was a foul call. There were a lot of and ones with that. And because Yusuf had to go to the bench early, I mean, Drew Eubanks, right around his same minutes, but he struggled last night as well. I mean, only six points. We're not asking him to score a lot, but three turnovers within your 18 minutes for as little of possessions as you're getting, you can't have those extra turnovers and give them extra possessions, man. And then our bench is still trying to figure ourselves out. The biggest thing that we have to continue to remember, Suns fans, I'm talking to all y'all, is right now guys are playing out of position. And even though we're at 20 plus games, Frank Vogel just doesn't know. And I don't blame him, but he's trying to figure it out, man. So not much production production off the bench. Goodwin only was seven. Bates Diop only two. Nasir Little with five. And Chris, I think Josh Akogi continues to play himself out of this rotation. No points, lots of sloppiness, just odd decisions. And I, I kind of feel bad, but there he's trying to overdo what we're asking of him. We're not asking him to be a crazy attacker. We're asking him to guard. We're asking him to shut down that second option in the, or that first option in a second unit right now since he's coming off the bench. And he's just over overplaying his hand right now. But Chris, I got some clips from last night for the outlet point guard. So I think it's time to roll those out. So let's go ahead and pull these up right now. And one of the first things, like I said, what we were seeing early within this game is just really deep drives by the Lakers attacking in the middle and Yusuf Nurkic getting into foul trouble. And I mean, then we finally did kind of make a run after going down by seven. But look, just look at that sloppiness right off the bat. I mean, yeah, Nasir oh, Little yeah. drains a three, but what what's happening there? And then once again, Getting deep into the paint, attacking right at the basket, that's a recipe for disaster. Once again, those second chance opportunities. It's like a lot of what was happening in the first half was, yeah, they were getting offensive rebounds, but then every loose ball was falling to the Lakers as well. And then finally, we saw that third quarter come through. Grayson Allen had a nice one with 21 points. He was the only starter with no turnovers last night. But yeah, there it is. Turnovers, transition. Do make a nice stop, but then give up a just a bunny for an offensive rebound. And then I remember looking at Bree when this one happened. I was like, is this deja vu from our first game earlier in the season? Are we not going to stop LeBron James and try and get the ball of his hands driving downhill? And then obviously Austin Reeves with the dagger. And then our favorite play of the night, the, the timeout call. Did he have possession? Did he not? The NBA says that he did. Chris, I think that's crazy for them to say that. I mean, is that just them covering their own bases? I want to I want to answer that question later, but let's roll right back to the top for you, man. What were you seeing last night? Uh, yeah, I was seeing the Lakers just play. I mean, both teams were playing really hard, but the Lakers just barreling in trying to draw the contact like that like what is what more is Yusuf Nurkic supposed to do I don't see I don't see how you call that an and one like sure it's a good it's a good screen and roll 
finds him, gets there. But Nurkic, I mean, more or less goes straight up with him. I guess at that point, maybe you let it go. I mean, oh, but overall, the theme from last night was just the Lakers penetrating, kicking it out, finding openings, and talking about that Suns defense, just them being slightly out of position. Like you said, when we were reviewing it from the top, man, this is just so sloppy right here. And yeah, they get a score out of it, but oh my God, what are you guys doing? Like- I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant gets stripped off the rebound. Josh Okoge can't dribble the ball, throws right into a hand, barely gets it out, is just flopping down. It's just like, that's what we've been seeing too much out of this Phoenix Suns team to start this season. It's like guys not just doing the little things, controlling the basketball, understanding proper pacing. And yeah, like we said, we get a score out of this, but this is ugly, Chris. This is just downright ugly right now. Yeah, not not at all what I want to see from them. And I mean, like this is in the first quarter. Like, why are you playing so panicked? With 17 seconds left on the shot clock, and Kevin Durant is standing right there. Uh, he's pretty open. I don't necessarily expect him to pull that that deep three right there, but it's open. I mean, if you give it to KD there, he could probably make it. I I, I know we still got a three out of it, so it, it's. I know you know the game hap- The game is played really fast, uh, even quicker on the NBA level. These guys are just such freak athletes, so it, it's. You know, got to give them a little leeway that we're sitting here playing Monday morning quarterback or outlet point guard and seeing things that they might not necessarily have seen in real time. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take a lot to take, you know, take a step back, take a dribble, understand you still have plenty of time on the shot clock and look for the best opportunity. I mean, even that inbound pass or not inbound pass, but like the pass into the post. I think that's Eubanks right there. Like Reeves is pretty close to getting a hand on that. That's true. I mean, the one thing that I'm just thinking about is you fumble the ball and then you finally get the ball if you're Josh Kogi right here. I mean, let's pause it. There's already four men back. There's a guy in front of him. You got two defenders back. This isn't a transition take. Like, even if you have the one guy on your hip, Kevin Durant is coming over, you uh, play with pace a little bit. Yeah, make sure that you're in front of this trailing defender, but don't push it so far ahead in Ke- of Kevin Durant to the point where you might have that that toss back for KD in transition to just pull up right into his shot. I mean, panicked. That's exactly the best case scenario, Chris. That's exactly the best way to describe that situation. And like I said, I mean, that's these are the kind of decisions that we've been seeing from Josh Okogie right now, which is kind of worrisome and why he's only getting nine minutes a game, right? Yeah, I mean, ideally, it seems like Eric Gordon is going to take most of the minutes that Akogi is going to get. And with good reason. I mean, uh, Gordon's a veteran who probably would have had the situational awareness to slow it down and make a better read than that. Uh, It's just, it's tough. And this is another one of those, like, kind of like Anthony Davis, like rolling into this play here. LeBron just gets in deep and what he lowers the shoulder. What more, what more can the defender do there? Like, not so obviously, well, obviously, obviously, this is a tough matchup with Jordan Goodwin. I mean, he's given up a whole bunch of size, but it's also kind of like it's it's what you want to try and do here is get LeBron moving laterally, right? You want to force him to the left or force him to the right so you can get help and coverage, but. It's always kind of tough when it comes down to transition, but to automatically just be falling back 
in the paint before any kind of pressure or any kind of body contact is made there, I mean, you're asking for disaster. And even if you're Jordan Goodwin, I, I mean, can you ask him to just try and try and get big as best as you can up top? But I mean, this is one play out of many that was happening in the first half, Chris. It was every single time down the court. It wasn't even like they were getting into true basketball sets or any of their plays. It was literally just them seeing the Suns fall back. I don't know if it was because of timidness, if they were scared to really body up, but they were getting to that bottom, you know, that bottom space so often. And there's only so much defense you can play down there, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, and it, it happens very fast, again, like talking about the speed of the plays. And if from looking at it a couple times here, maybe Jordan Goodwin didn't think LeBron was going to go up for a shot the way he was kind of looking off the ball and then kind of turns at the last minute. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's obviously a mismatch. I mean, LeBron, of course, is going to go take that opportunity with his four other guys basically out on the perimeter. Sun's just getting spread so thin. Katie thinks about helping but then doesn't. Um, and maybe if he helps there, LeBron kicks it out. Obviously, LeBron's been in the league so long. He's a smart player, you know, argument for greatest of all time. But, oh, it's just tough to watch, man. It's tough to see a team that is supposed to have so much talent, is supposed to have a super deep roster, just only really put the effort on one side of the ball. Yeah, and I think that's what it is, Chris. It's The Lakers did a good job of exploiting mismatches when they – did get them and that's what smart basketball players do but this specific play with anthony davis getting that second chance opportunity we get a block out of it but then we can't corral the the second chance rebound like it was all of the all the bounces were going the lakers way it seemed like in the first half specifically but this kind of speaks to the generalities of what was happening in that first half as well, where there was a lot of watching. There wasn't a lot of boxing out when balls were coming off. Guys are flat footed. They're not in a stance to attack the basketball. And that's why the Lakers took a 12 point lead into the, uh, the halftime because it was just so much ball watching and not properly doing your job on this secondary actions within a basketball game it was disappointing chris it was just disappointing yeah that's honestly like i don't know what else you can say about it other than yeah it is it is disappointing and just seeing how the lakers are trying so hard here and i i'm trying to pick you know pick this apart and see who's mostly to blame and it kind of does seem like it just kind of comes down to the ball bouncing the wrong way i mean you can't he's trying to box out, but Anthony Davis has kind of got a better position on him there. He could probably find a better position there, but tries to close out on LeBron, which is probably the right thing to do. Um, I don't understand why Grayson Allen's so deep, just standing there. I think he probably thought that was going in. So he was going to inbound it. And then it didn't happen. Thought he was, you know, just a lot of, this is a weird play, Mike. This one's weird. It's, it's very disheartening though. Right. I mean, so the one thing I just did see, so when this shot goes up right here, right. I mean, there's four white jerseys comparative to one. Anthony Davis already has positioning right there. But Chris, Kevin Durant is watching. He's watching the shot. He's If he sees that Anthony Davis has sealed 
Oh, did I go back too far here? If he sees that Anthony Davis has sealed Drew Eubanks right there, you got to step up. You got to help out on that right side. But he just watches. I mean, and then he does get the block, and then it just becomes it's just a hoopla. Yeah, that that's that's tough. That's well, the ball and, <laughs> falling back to a wrong place. And again, if you can play back just one more time, like watching it, like you could have prevented a little bit of this if Eric Gordon boxes out LeBron a little bit there. I mean, I know he's all the way at the top of the key by the time that happens, but he it allows the ball to roll back to him where Eric Gordon, at you know, for all intents and purposes, is just a spectator right here in this moment doing absolutely nothing. No, you're 100% right. Yeah, put the body on it. Don't give them another opportunity for anybody to attack it. But then that third quarter, I mean, Grayson Allen had a big third quarter, man. 21 points overall. He definitely helped get this team back and give them some life. It's nice to see him back in the lineup after his illness. But this is where we started to see a little bit better pacing overall. I mean, it's always good to get in transition and guys to find their spots. But like we said, the Suns shot 48% from deep. So it wasn't like they weren't hitting. They almost shot 50% overall for the game. What did you like from that third quarter from the Suns to really finally rally back into this game? I just like that they're looking a lot more comfortable. And this play alone just is the antithesis of point book, right? Because he gets in deep and kicks it out to a wide open Grayson Allen who has to knock that shot down. And he does. And it's a great shot. Great wide open look. And just the Suns in, in the third quarter in general looking a lot more comfortable. Their offense was flowing. They were taking better shots. And I just... I hate to continue to be negative and hammer on it, but I don't understand why we can't play that kind of basketball consistently for fourth for four quarters. And we saw earlier in the season, and I guess even still now, our inability to close out fourth quarters. It's like, how can we play so good for a certain amount of time and then just throw it away after that? Like the contrast between that play where it's getting tossed around and we still get a three versus this one is it's dramatic, man. Uh, right. And I think a big part about that is who's handling the basketball in transition, right? But this is what we're going to continue to see from Devin Booker handling the basketball for the rest of this season if he continues the pace that he's going. I mean, teams have to be worried about that 18-foot pull-up from him because he's so lethal at that. That's why you're seeing defenders collapse there. I mean, Anthony Davis does fall back a little bit, but you see he draws two. Uh, Cam Reddish and I think that's Torian Prince, uh, which opens up Grayson Allen for just a wide open shot. And yeah, I mean, what's the thing that we keep hearing is just wait until we see Bradley Beal come onto the floor and all that kind of stuff. And once he can attack, it's like, but the truth is it's not happening right now. Bradley Beal, <laughs> he's hurt. He, he's not playing. So we have to go off the tape that we have so far, but. Props to Grayson Allen for keeping this team in it last night. And oh, just got to keep launching it up from deep, man, to keep this team in games right now, it seems like. Yeah. No, yeah. It seems like we're having to live or die by the three in these types of situations. I just wanted to add in real quick there. It's cool seeing Bradley Beal getting super animated on the bench. You know, he's bought into this team. I I think he wants to be out there. He wants to be playing with these guys. So 100%. That's that's at least uh, you know somewhat encouraging. So once he if he can get healthy, maybe he will be that. And I mean, I imagine he will be that impact player that we're missing. Yeah, hey, hey, Chris. You know, 
once again, like that play we saw, it's just those second chance opportunities really killed the Suns. I don't want to hammer it down too much. We know what happened. But, I mean, LeBron James, 38 years old, oldest man in the league, still doing it at an incredible level. It's just remarkable, man. And it's tough that he is on the Lakers, our sworn nemesis. But you know me, I've always been a LeBron fan. And you have to give props. You've got to recognize game. For him to be doing what he's doing this late in his career is just something. Can it be redone down the down the line? Is there anybody else that you really can see, you know, now maybe in the league or, you know, college guys or some huge high school names? I mean, is this somebody that's not going to be able to be repeated for the next 20, 30 years, man? It it really seems that way. I mean, there is not uh, there's a, t- a ton of great players in the league. Don't get me wrong, but there's not one guy that I could say right now is like for sure to be the next LeBron. I mean, for LeBron to have the type of career he had, which you know everyone compares him to Michael Jordan, and that's the only player you can compare him to. I just I think when it's all said and done, though, I mean, how could LeBron not be the greatest basketball player of Ooh. all time? Uh oh, Chris. You can you can compare hardware all you want, but at when Michael was LeBron's age, he was averaging like 11 points a game on the Wizards, really, really at the end of his career. And LeBron is still putting up like, I think, 28 points a game or something like that. He's not a role player, Mike. He Like guys this late in their career, the Vince Carters, the Tracy McGrady's, even Michael Jordan at that point in his career playing on a shitty Wizards team was for all intents and purposes a role player. But LeBron is a, still a superstar. It's it's absolutely incredible. I I will say to it, a lot of his game. I am a I am a LeBron fan. I have a lot of respect for his game. Really like what he's done throughout his career. Not a huge fan of LeBron the person. I think he's a little bit goofy. But that's a whole nother conversation to have. Uh, it, it's just it's wild. It's crazy to see. And I can't imagine some of these rookies who were in diapers when LeBron was drafted now playing against him. Like that's got to be just. You know, I, I thought about that on that Jordan Goodwin play, like how intimidating that might be. You know, a guy that could be your dad is still balling you up week in and week out. <laughs> That's a trip, man. That's honestly the truth. Some of these guys, some of these rookies were like five years old <laughs> when he started. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be close to the point where there are some of these guys who weren't even born <laughs> when he's playing in the league because he might have two more years left. <laughs> I mean... And one thing that we always talk about when it comes down to older players, I know I've talked with you about, you know, some of my adult leagues, Chris, like those 35 and olders, where it's like guys understand their limitations and they start to transition their game. And I don't know, Chris, I mean, it seems like uh, LeBron has been doing this kind of drive with pace, the, the shoulders, the slow dribbles and understanding the angles, he's been doing that for uh, a decade plus already. He still has his pull-away fadeaways, and he's still knocking it down from three. I mean, probably not as, you know, not as good as he was at once, obviously. But the man dropped 31 points last night. I know he didn't shoot that great, but he still does everything. 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 5 steals, Chris. 5 steals. I mean, a lot of that is attributed to the Suns' poor control of the basketball, but you still have to look at those numbers and be impressed. And 
that's it. I'm done LeBron ball washing. I don't, he's not my goat, Chris. It's always Michael Jordan. We're going to we're gonna swipe right over Austin Reeves' clip. I don't want to talk about it. Don't give a shit about Austin Reeves. Sorry if you're a Lakers fan. But this is our last one for the night. I just got to get your final thoughts on the timeout call and kind of what happened there at the end. And just your overall feeling going into – you know, the end of December and 2024 for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, man, to start with the, this play right here, the, like we mentioned that report came out and said that it was a right call. Their argument is that Austin Reeves had the ball pinned up against his leg constituting uh, possession, which I completely disagree with. I mean, it's a, it's a bad angle. So maybe he did have it pinned, but it sure didn't seem like it. Uh, and it was already like it had been poked into for it to even be, pinned to his hip i think anyone using even two brain cells that they might have would say that lebron shouldn't have been able to call a timeout there and i don't know it's tough again we can we can say that it it we shouldn't have been in that position we can say that you know maybe there's no guarantee that the suns even score right there so there's a lot of what ifs and and coulda shoulda wouldas but at the end of the day just such a disappointing way especially when you're trying to hype up this NBA in-season tournament. Like, come on, NBA, don't you think it would have been better if that game went to overtime and you have an overtime thriller to decide who gets to go to the next round and into Vegas? But that's maybe uh, the conspiracy theorist in me uh, saying, you know, I'm not saying the NBA is rigged. Some people say the NBA is rigged. I wouldn't say that. But overall, uh, moving through December into the new year with this Phoenix Suns team, I will remain optimistic. Obviously, you have two of the best players in the NBA in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And that's going to take you so far, like regardless of when Bradley Beal comes back and that'll only help us out even more. I think with those two alone and the roster we have, we can build enough momentum to have a a team that's a force to be reckoned with. And we're going to keep talking about the postseason and say, you know, all this build, build camaraderie to the postseason, get used to each other, this and that postseason postseason, because that's the point where this team is at, Mike. We're no longer anywhere near those days where we were asking, is this a playoff team? Is this a team that could get there? Like, we are a playoff team. We know that we're a playoff team. And that's what, that, that is what it is. So that's why, like, a lot of my focus, it's hard to be too upset right now. It's all about how good this team can look getting to the playoffs and not so much the wins and losses for me. Yeah, I mean, as much as it would have been awesome to scratch your name in the record books for the first ever NBA in-season tournament, didn't go our way. That's all right. Got plenty of basketball to look forward to and got a whole bunch of optimism. I'm right alongside you on that, Chris. But make sure, everybody, if you're tuning in, we got the semifinals coming up this Thursday. Lakers, Pelicans, and Bucks versus Pacers. And your championship is going to be 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. You know I'm going to be checking in on that. Got to see who gets this first ever NBA in-season tournament win. (laughs) That'd be so funny if they actually do put a banner up. Hey, I would be okay with them doing it for the first one ever, right? But with that being said, Chris, you know what time it is. It's time for Red Reacts. So what do you got for us this time? Oh man, I got a small sampling of us, uh, for us, excuse me. Um, So we'll just get right into it, dive into it. I think this one is perfect because it does kind of go along with the in-season tournament and some of the shenanigans we saw. Um, 
Mike, I guess I'll ask you first. This one is from uh, Reddit user. Okay, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> look, look what I just copped. It's 7 a.m. for me, and the voices are loud as ever. Uh, it's an NBA referees jersey with a giant Lakers logo on it. Uh, was he this? Was were the refs the sixth man in the victory for the Lakers? Oh, in the last 7.5 seconds of the game. But no, I think we have to reiterate. The Phoenix Suns did this to themselves last night. The inability to control the offensive glass for the Los Angeles Lakers, the consistent turnovers. I mean, to start the game off with 10 turnovers, it's why you dig yourself into a huge hole. But, I mean, it's funny. I always love these ones because it always comes out after controversial calls. I see it in the NFL all the time. My favorite ones for the NFL are pictures of the referees and the players around them. And are like, oh, must have money on the game. But sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, they were on the Lakers side last night. Let's give them to them. Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw a couple of those too where it was like a fan duel was like, it's tweeted like, oh, who won their bets tonight? And people were commenting like, oh, the refs did. <laughs> oh, it's too good. But rolling right along, we talked about Devin Booker a lot. Mike, did you see that he is now a 95 overall in NBA 2K24, which makes him the ninth highest rated player in the video game? Top 10. I love Top it. 10. Yeah. Top deserving? 10. Absolutely deserving, Chris. I mean, we've already had conversation about who's the best shooting guard in the league. It's Devin Booker. I think there's no comparisons right now after his body of work for the past three seasons overall. And now it's time to start talking about him overall in the top five guards in the NBA. I mean, this kid just continues to expand his game. Now given the leash to run the entirety of the offense, it's been a good start so far. Obviously, with a lot of different pieces, there's a learning curve when it comes from it. But Devin Booker has fit into the mold of running the show, and I'm very, very excited. And you know what else I'm excited for? Those damn book ones to come out, man. When the <laughs> hell is that going to happen, Chris? We we got to get an announcement or something. Maybe a, a GTA 6-style trailer for the, the book ones. Now, I will say I did hear that that orange colorway is supposed to be coming out. I think it's around December 13th or 15th. But the first drop is going to be limited to only 500. So good luck for any of you to try and get those. I don't know if it'll be a second rollout where they'll do the orange colorway. But you know Nike has a whole bunch of different colorways. So a lot of people will have opportunity to get their hands on them. I just can't wait, man. I want to try them out. Only 500? That's just five. Yeah, 500. That's crazy. Wild, right? That's wild. I can't believe that. I'll be trying to cop, but man, that sounds... I. I've tried to do the sneaker drops before waiting at 5 a.m., loading my phone over and over again, waiting in line. It's not fun, <laughs> but it could be worth it for those. It's not fun, that's for sure. Well, speaking of shoes and shoe companies, uh, Mike, did you see that uh, Kevin Durant and Adidas got into it a little bit on the Twitters? I mean, I'm sorry, on X? <laughs> on those X streets, man, you got to watch out. It's yeah. scary, man. And Kevin... <laughs> It was basically there was a video of I think Anthony Edwards and his new shoe with Adidas, and they asked him what NBA player would you like to see wear your shoe, and he said Kevin Durant, and so Durant responded, "Won't ever see me put a big toe in them motherfuckers," 
MFers is what he actually said, but that's motherfuckers for those of you that <laughs> might not be hit. Um, and Adidas tweeted and then quickly deleted you bout to, you, you dusty bout to retire soon anyway. Um, uh, but what's not shown here and I thought was actually hilarious and perfect is after they deleted it, they commented again and said, sorry, meant to, meant to tweet that from my burner account. <laughs> they should have just kept it up, man. That's perfect marketing. You should have kept up the you dusty about to retire soon anyway, and then double down with the, sorry, that was from my burner account. Uh, I love it, man. There's nothing better than shoe companies getting into it. A, a nice rivalry never hurt anybody. I will say about those Anthony Edwards shoes, they do look kind of clean. I have been disappointed about the last couple of iterations for anything that's come out uh, from Adidas. I tried the Dame Sevens, didn't really work too well. Not a lot of traction. I tried the Trey Young ones. I just don't think they were built for somebody my size, unfortunately. But I mean, I'm with Nike on this one. You won't see me putting my big toe in those motherfuckers either. So, you know, I got to go with my guy KD on this one. Yeah, no, I think I'm with you and and Kevin Durant. I've I I do have one pair of Adidas basketball shoes that were gifted to me. And they were hand-me-downs, so I can't, I guess, necessarily say the traction wasn't great because I don't know how they might have been brand new. Uh, but I played about one and a half games in them and then put my Kyrie Sevens on swiftly. But uh, I don't know. Hardens? Were those, those I, I think they're hard. I think they are Hardens, the one Corey gave me. You didn't get some dames? I thought you got some dames too, no? No, I think I thought about it. Had them in my cart at one point, but didn't pull the trigger. Uh, I love, I love the Adidas Ultra Boost running shoes. You'll always oh yeah. see me rocking those. Those fuckers are comfortable. I'll put yeah. my big toe in those motherfuckers any day. Classic comfy. Actually. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the Ultra Boost. <laughs> yeah. So Nike for the basketball shoes, Adidas for the running and leisure shoes. But ain't nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. Mike, I got one more for you. I think this is a good way to go out on the Reddit reacts. Uh, this is this one's super confusing to me, man. I don't it's just it goes so strongly to the the transplant nature of Arizona and just people bringing all their teams fandoms here. This is a Phoenix Suns personalized license plate that says LA Lakers. Am I uh... am I am I reading that right? Uh, L.A. Lickers. L-A-L-K-R-S. I mean, what else could that be? I... Le or well, maybe maybe, maybe they're a KRS-One fan, so it's like, live a life, KRS-One. Like, right, they no, love this a is lot, like, KRS. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is L.A. Lakers. That's, uh, that's like a double negative or... Um, Stuck in the matrix, made a mistake. Uh, I don't think. Did they think they that. were getting like a Lakers personalized jersey? Like if they put that, then instead of the Suns logo, you would get the Lakers logo. I. No, there's no way. If you're from Arizona, you know what license plate you're picking, especially if you're doing personalized, because you got to type it in yourself, and then you know which one you're picking. If you're doing a Phoenix Suns one, I mean, obviously, this is probably somebody who maybe has allegiances to both who grew up a Lakers fan watching Kobe and Shaq, but then has lived in the Valley. So 
Then they went through the Steve Nash era and have seen what the Suns have done over the past couple of seasons. But this also looks like an old logo. Like this is the old Suns logo. So this isn't something that's really that new, I think. Yeah, um, I was wondering that too. And in addition, I mean, don't want to insult anybody or their intelligence, but this guy needs to peel off his registration sticker. Yeah. And- put it on like don't just keep stacking them it's like that looks like the cheese they put on a big mac where you you like they can't get it on the patty it's like off to the side uh guy come on get get a little razor or something take those old stickers off and and get the new one but i I, you know you're a lakers fan so i don't know what to tell you you know but this overall chris with this one this just can't happen the lakers are one of the sun's biggest rivals have been for years, have been since before the 90s. I mean, you can think back to the Coliseum days, man. Magic Johnson, those it goes that deep. You can't have one and then come along with the other. Like I've seen plenty of people who maybe like younger kids will have grown up being a Steph Curry and a Golden State Warriors fan. And then as they kind of go along and maybe get a little bit older, the Suns continue to still be good then kind of draw more of their allegiance to the Suns so you can split both ways. I know that one's kind of tough too because they're both in the Pacific Division, but I don't really classify the Warriors and Suns as a rival. I mean, the Warriors were at, they were bottom feeders for years and years and years. There's no culture that really built a rivalry between those two teams. So that's unacceptable, Chris. I can't have it, man. Take that shit off immediately. Immediately. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I would uh, I would hope that the state of Arizona, when issuing these license plates, would maybe say that is not acceptable. Pick another thing, because obviously they do that for inappropriate words. As far as I'm concerned, putting L.A. Lakers on your license plate is inappropriate. So shame on a dot for not or there's shame on a dot for issuing that license plate and not putting a stop to the madness. Step your game, a dot, man. You can't be brand new when it comes to that. All right, Chris. Tough one for the Phoenix Suns last night. Uh, It is what it is. At the end of the day, the Phoenix Suns did it to themselves. They still got some kinks to work out. But I'm excited to see what happens for the rest of this NBA in-season tournament and obviously for the rest of the year. Chris, this is our last pass the outlet for 2023. We got a couple more live streams coming at the people for the rest of the year. We're going to do another roundtable, a heat check live. Send the people into a a brand new year on a good note. So let the people know what you got going on, how you're feeling, anything else you want to share with them before we call it a night. Nah, man, just make sure that you keep following us, share us with your friends and family so that they can keep finding us and keeping this machine rolling. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming for you guys in the new year. We're going to increase the production quality just a little bit. And we'll show you what we're talking about. So stay tuned for that. Mike mentioned the ticket giveaway earlier in the stream. That's going to be coming up in the new year. We're going to do it bigger and better than last year. So you can get a pair of tickets to see the Suns game in some pretty bitching seats, in my opinion. So keep an eye out for that. Hey, if you guys are here, we're still small enough where you can help us grow and benefit from it at the same time. So while there's not much competition out there, put your name in the hat for some free Suns ticket. You have a much better chance to win with us than you do with the big guys. This isn't your normal sweepstakes. So something to think about. But Mike, really excited to keep Valley Sports Plug rolling. Love doing past the outlet with you and talking basketball. I mean, 
ball is life, Mike. And uh, we kind of live that every day. So it's fun to get on here and talk about the NBA, college, big three, slam ball, whatever it is, basketball, man. I just love talking about it. Chris, man, I appreciate you. Everything you've done for us this year, it's been awesome. It's really, really exciting to see the growth that we've already made and the plans that we got coming up for 2024. Like you said, we're going to start notching it up a little bit more. Got those Suns tickets coming on the way. Got some more special guests coming next year for Pass the Outlet. We got to get into the brains of some people, some players, coaches, Sun staff, everybody, you name it, man. This is about the Valley. We're talking about basketball, but we got to know those people who are in tune with the culture. We got to see what makes them tick and just get a conversation going, man. Even if you're watching this on playback, drop a comment. What do you want to see? We're always taking a look at that and responding, man. We're just so appreciative of everything you guys have done for us so far. So once again, make sure you follow us at AZ underscore VSP on all social medias. Make sure you like and subscribe this video. Follow us here on YouTube, Valley Sports Plug. Make sure you're tapped in with all that Valley Sports action. But this was Pass the Outlet, episode 15. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin. That's Chris Patrick. We're going to see you guys in 2024. Peace. Ball is life, plain and simple. You know, ask any baller. If you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it! Wow! You know, one thing's for sure, over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select...